What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning, those of you here in my presence this morning, those of you who may be tuning online, welcome back to Next Level Freedom Church. If you're tuning online, I want to go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. Our address currently is the Jackson Civic Center, which is located at 381 East Deerwood Drive. We would love to meet you and your family next week, so why don't you make plans to come and join us at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. We would love to have you and pray with you about your needs. Those here, those that were here for last week, or maybe you heard it online, a friend of mine, Eddie Street, gave a message, and it actually became... I think the second most viewed video on our YouTube page and had several views. And what I want to encourage you this morning and let you know is this Thursday morning at 6 a.m., we are going to be putting up the interview we spoke of last week on our podcast. It's a podcast only thing. So check out the podcast. Get subscribed if you haven't already. And his second half, basically, of his testimony, his college years and after we will be talking about in that interview on our Unified Show. So you can check that out on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on. Want to encourage you to subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much for tuning. If you're tuned to the podcast right right now, wherever you're at in the country or in the world, thank you so much for tuning. Also, don't forget, every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. we have Bible study that is posted, and you can go with me through the book of Mark. That being said, for those of you who already noticed, this morning we do not have an intro video. Instead, and basically this began last week when Eddie was speaking, and I, I noticed after church I was thinking, okay, God, I guess we got to get ready for the whole Jacob series to continue this coming Sunday. And God's like, yeah, you're not talking about Jacob this week. And it was last Sunday God spoke to me. He said, you're going to be coming out of the book of Matthew, and I want you to talk about the narrow road, the broad road, and the narrow road. And those of you who have tuned here, and we've mentioned it several times, just the passage itself that speaks about that, it was Jesus talking. But today, we are going to look at not only that passage, but the surrounding verses that are around that passage, because it deals with a lot of things. And as I began studying this week for this message I begin to realize, okay, God, I can see why you want me to go there. So God spoke to me last week, and for those of you who don't know, it is a crucial time in a Christian's life. We do have voting on this Tuesday. I hope you'll get out and vote. Wouldn't dream of telling you how to vote, but I do hope that you will pray and prayerfully consider who God would have you to vote for and get out and vote this Tuesday evening or morning, whenever you can do it. But as I began studying, I realized, hmm, this may be why God wants us to go there today. So we are going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today is where we're going to be hanging out. We're going to be taking a look at verses 13 through 29. 
And we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get started and just see what God has to say this morning. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for those listening online. We thank you for those that may be tuning here in our presence, God. I just pray, Lord, for each and every individual that hears this message. I pray that you would use this message, speak your words through me, that it would not be my own. That your word only would come across this microphone. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's topic we're going to be discussing is... The narrow path is what we decided to call today's message. And it does come out of Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 29. So here's what I want you to know. This takes place, this is like the closing of the entire Sermon on the Mount series, which is, takes place over 5, 6, and 7, all chapters of Matthew chapter 5. And it takes place there, and this is kind of how Jesus decides to wrap up all of these ideas that he's been discussing. And sometime as I was studying this, I'm like, you know what? We need to go through and we need to do a series on just the Sermon on the Mount. There is so much information there that Jesus gives us. It is the, Jesus is the greatest teacher you'll ever hear from. And just take a look at some of the things Jesus talked about. So we're going to plan to do that sometime in the future, maybe next year. And we'll see where God goes with it. So let's talk about the narrow paths. So here, in this particular passage, we're going to notice some things. We're going to notice that Jesus warns his disciples to examine themselves to be sure that they are truly members of the kingdom of heaven, not simply those who profess allegiance. In other words, or allegiance, sorry. Those that confess him with their mouth but deny him in their hearts. Those who have not sincerely repented for their sins. Those are the type of people we're going to be discussing here in these passages. And he also here warns the crowd. So he's talking to his disciples, but he's also talking to the crowds. And here he warns the crowds to consider carefully the alternative of following him or following the popular religious leadership of the day and we see all kinds of this stuff happening in today's world the more i studied the more i was like god you know what i see i see what you're trying to get across here so we are going to hang out in matthew chapter 7 we are going to be here wrapping up the sermon of the mount and we're going to talk about what jesus had to say about the narrow gate about the wide gate and what he had to say about false prophets false disciples all of these things are in today's message. So today's message may be one of those things that, you know, is not necessarily comfortable to hear. But we need to hear it because God wants to speak this morning. And we're going to begin right there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Here's what it says. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So point number one this morning, if we're going to call it points, is there's a, there's a portion that Jesus is trying to teach us here. And that is that there are two gates and there are two roads mentioned here in the text. Yes, they are mentioned se separately. And I believe they are mentioned specifically that way. We're going to talk about that as the message goes this morning. So the image here is of two paths in life, and this was a common 
teaching in Judaism, which is what the Jews were being taught and what they were teaching. So the image of two paths in life was common to Judaism, whether speaking of separate paths that lead to paradise or Gehenna, which would be the pit where things get thrown and burned. And we can talk about that in a later message or of a narrow path of life's hardships that ultimately lead to the broad path of eternal Blessing. So here is what we're going to be talking about as we begin this morning. There are two gates mentioned. There are two roads mentioned. And in case you missed it, we're going to talk about them here. Take a look at the first part of verse 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road. There it is. That leads to destruction. And many enter through it. This is the verse that God gave me last week as Eddie was wrapping up and he began to speak to me and say, we're not going to Jacob next week. Here's what I want you to teach. This is where he sent me and it was from there that he built a message. So let's talk about the broad gate for just a minute. Let's talk about the broad gate. What is the broad gate? Well, the broad gate is an inviting gate. There's plenty of room. It's, there's plenty of room for culture. It's the norm. There's plenty of room for whatever religious belief you want to believe. There's plenty, plenty of room for popular opinion. And if you're going through the broad gate, these are the types of things that you're relying on. What is that? That is your culture. That is your society. That is what they're telling you is okay to believe. That's the thought that, wow, there are so many different roads that you can take to get to heaven. And that is not what Jesus has taught ever in the scriptures. Jesus said in John 14, 6, which I don't have on the screen and I don't have on for you this morning. But he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So and there's another passage of scripture where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the way to heaven. You can only get there through me. So that is a broad claim. That is a big, I should say a big statement, not a broad claim. That is a big statement for a man to make. Basically, he's telling us, I'm the only way. Now, we have that thought in society that, oh, Jesus was just a good guy. He taught a lot of good things. But, you know, I don't necessarily believe everything he said. But surely he wouldn't say something like that. But you really haven't studied Jesus if you don't realize that not all roads lead to the same place. If I go out here and hop on the interstate today, I am not going to be able to stay on the one interstate and head, let's say, on 57 North in Illinois to get to Texas. That's going to take me to Chicago. That's a different road. If you want to get to Texas, you're going to have to take some different routes. Or let's make it simpler. If I want to go to St. Louis, I'm not going to hop on 55 out here and head straight down to Sykeston. That's taking me the wrong way. It's the same way spiritually. It's the same thing. God is telling us there is one way to heaven. And Jesus is going to make that statement again here in just a minute. So we'll let him say it, all right? So here's something else you need to understand. The terms wide and broad that are used here in this text are spatial, but they also invoke a sense of ease and comfort. So what is the broad gate? Well, that's the easy way. There's a lot of people trying to take the easy way. Anybody ever seen the Pilgrim's Progress? Pilgrim's Progress, we noticed along his narrow path he was taking to try to get to the promised land, there were many who were deceived. There were many that tried to deceive him. And I don't need to get into all of that today. If you haven't read the book or seen the movie, I want to encourage you to do that. But you need to understand something. The broad gate 
is the most accepted gate. It's the easy gate. It's the one you just hop on board with the rest of the people in the world and say, let's go. Let's ride. Any way it'll get us there, any religion leads to heaven, right? We're going to break that down in a series that I'm planning to do. I've been probably going to look at like early next year now, but I am looking and I'm still studying on that. So you need to understand something. There's one way. So here's what happens on the broad gate. One can enter and travel comfortably and unmolested on this roomy road. Hop on. Whatever you want to believe. Let's go. It's a broad gate. But here's what you need to understand. Here's what Jesus was telling us in the passages. If you look at verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. But if you read the second half of 13 there, for wide is the gate Broad is the road that leads to destruction. So it is a deceiving comfort. It's not actually comfort. At first, it looks good. You hop on board. You believe what people are telling you. You just kind of get in line and follow suit. Then the next thing you know, that deceiving comfort ends in destruction. That's what Jesus warns us here. Or this is usually translated in the text, eternal punishment. It's often used that way. What was Jesus talking about? Well, he was talking about hell. There's a lot of people, you look around in this society, who think they're on the narrow road, but really they're just on the broad road heading where everybody else wants to go. And eventually, that comfort that they think they've got is going to run out. It's going to end. So let's talk about the narrow game. Let's get some positive in this mess, right? So what's the narrow game? Well, the narrow narrow gate is restricted. It's limited to Jesus and his discipleship. He's the only way. It's difficult. There's oppression. There's even persecution on the narrow road or the narrow gate. You go through the narrow gate. It's going to be tough. And if there's any Christian that ever told you it's going to be easy, well, they lied to you. And you need to understand something. Christianity, salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. When you get on board And you're going on the narrow path, understand you're going to face tribulation. It's not always smooth sailing. Things are going to come up. Do I believe God wants to bless you? Sure I do. But things are going to come up. Things are going to come your way. But you need to understand there are two paths. And Jesus is going to elaborate on that more here in just a minute. The terms small and narrow are also spatial. But they balance the metaphor by evoking images of difficulty. It's a narrow path. It's not easy. It's opposite of the wide path. The wide path is easy. You just sit on it and you roll until you find the end of destruction. The narrow path is difficult. Now you're saying, well, pastor, why would I want to get on that path? Because the end result, the text told us right there. Look what the end result is of the narrow path. The narrow path, it says, small is the gate. This is verse 14 of Matthew 7. Small is the gate. Narrow the road that leads to life. At the end, there's life. And only a few find it. So here's the deal. You hop on the wide path. It's easy at first, but then it's difficult and destructive, right? You hop on the narrow path. It's difficult at first. That the end result is better. So it just depends on which path you're thinking you want to take. We're going to talk more about it as Jesus goes on here in these texts. You will abandon popular opinion and religious establishment.
hypocrite to take this path. This is exactly what Jesus was saying here in the text. Because the religious people of this day were telling the people one thing. Jesus came to speak with authority and tell them another. And we're going to get more into that, so I don't want to jump ahead too much. But few will abandon the popular opinion and religious establishment. We've got a lot of that in this society to take this path. So that's why he says only a few find it. We're going to talk more about it. Anytime. The gates are mentioned here. Here's something I thought was interesting that maybe you never thought about. I know I hadn't really thought about it at first. But the gates are mentioned first in the text. And some scholars disagree with this, but I'm in line with the ones that say this because it makes sense, right? The gates are mentioned first because the decision you make is in this life. First, you got to decide which gate you're going to get in, which way you're going to go. That's your decision you make in this life. And that decision will determine your road and your final destination. You need to understand that as we continue reading there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, what's Jesus say? Verse 20 is important. Thus, by their fruit... You will recognize them. How do you know if it's a sheep or a wolf, Pastor? By their fruit, you will recognize them. That's what Jesus says. So here, point number two this morning, if we're making points, is that there are two kinds of prophets. Jesus mentions two types of prophets here. We're going to get to the disciples here in just a minute. Jesus has already warned against religious leaders who were leading people astray from their false form of righteousness that was earlier on in the Beatitudes. He's already warned about that religious spirit and that religious leaders and where they're leading and how they're leading people astray. Now he is warning people of false revolutionary leaders who are leading people astray through false prophecy. In this day, we know this is legit. Here's something. This is taken. This isn't in your Bible. This is taken from a historian. His name is Josephus. This is taken from his writings. Here's what he tells us. And this is during the day when Jesus was still here hanging on the planet. These are the type of people Jesus was warning against. If you read Josephus, here's what he says. He's just a historian. Not necessarily a Christian. A historian. Here's what he says. Deceivers and imposters under the pretense of divine inspiration fostering revolutionary changes... They persuaded the multitude to act like madmen and led them out into the desert under the belief that God would there give them tokens of deliverance. These are the type of people Jesus is talking about here. These are the type that sound good. They make a good speech. They talk They talk good. They got the smooth talk. They can convince you of something. They're good at it. That's what they do. Yet in the end, they're leading you astray. That's why Jesus said, don't go by what they first tell you. You need to watch their fruits. See what type of fruits that they're bearing before you follow them. According to Josephus here, there were many of those type of people already there in Jesus' day who were leading people into the desert 
having them act like madmen and convincing them that if you come with me to the desert, God's got a lot of stuff for you. He's got tokens. He's got things for you out here. He's going to deliver you. Do you know this has always been around? We're dealing with this stuff today. This was around in the Old Testament. This is the type of people the prophets warned Israel against before they went into uh, slavery, before they were taken captive. They went into captivity. They were warning. I'm talking like Isaiah, Jeremiah, those, all those prophets you see there at the end of your Old Testament. They were warning people because at the same time while these guys are telling them the bad news, people didn't like to hear it, it didn't tickle their ears, it didn't sound good. At the same time, there were false prophets that were telling them, oh, don't listen to that. God's wanting to do this. He's blessing us. We're prospering. This and this and this. And at the same time, those men were leading people astray while the true prophets who were speaking for God were being ignored. That's because popular opinion said... Remember the white gate. Popular opinion said, let's go this way. It sounds better. It's easier, right? Remember the white gate? It's easier. False prophets seem to be for the flock at first through their smooth words of deception. But their intentions are evil. They are there to lead astray. What they say sounds good. There's these type of people in the world today. Like it or not, when this judgment and final day comes, there's going to be many people who are deceived in believing someone, and there are many of them, out there teaching, was teaching them a truth, but they were being deceived by what Jesus says were false prophets. He warned against false prophets. So they talk good. They talk a good game. But their intentions are evil. Evil. What's Jesus say? I'll remind you again. Jesus says you will recognize them by their fruits. Here's the deal. Bottom line. A repentant heart will produce repentance and a life that rejects sin. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But if you've truly received Christ in your heart, if you've truly been saved, you're going to want to do your best not to follow your old lifestyle, to walk away, because that see that where they repent is key, and we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. So here's here's something I thought was interesting: the mark of a church that is growing in Christ is the fruit of righteousness and good works. If a church is growing in Christ, the way you're going to know is by their righteousness, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit they bear. Remember. And they're good works. Well, Trent, this sounds hard. How am I going to recognize? Well, here's what 1 John 4 says. Verse 1 to 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how, now here's John trying to teach us how to recognize them just like Jesus taught these people. This is how you will recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, here's key, check it out. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. 
John, the pastor here, was dealing with his own share of false prophets. And we won't go into that. We've talked about that before. Uh, maybe we'll do a whole series on that. But he's dealing with these same types of people. They're coming into the church. They're talking a good game. They're convincing people that they're telling them the truth. Then they're leading them astray. Remember, this was the introduction of the Gnostics. The Gnostic gospel. It was Gnostic. And we'll, we can talk more about that later. But you need to understand. What you need to gather from here is, once again, John tells us, by their fruit... You will recognize them. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. If they don't, they're not from God. Bad trees are good for nothing except to be used for firewood. That's what Jesus is saying here. This was a common thought. People knew exactly what he was saying here. If there's a bad tree that's not producing fruit... Turn it into firewood, burn it, use it for heat in the winter, whatever. But if it's producing fruit, you're not going to keep that tree. Bad trees are good for nothing except to be used for firewood. A striking metaphor of the judgment to come for false prophets. What did Jesus say here? And this is, you know, this can be harsh, especially if you're not living that life. He says, every tree, verse 19 there, every tree... That does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That fire, the metaphor we're getting to here, is hell. That's where they're going. False prophets who lead you astray, they'll take you with them if you let them. Here's the deal. Not everybody knows that they've been led astray. Let's talk about it. Matthew 7 Verse 21, as we continue, what does Jesus say as we continue? So he's warned us that there's two paths. He's warned us that there's two types of prophets. One's false, one's true. What else does he tell us here? Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Point number three, there are two kinds of disciples. What? There are two kinds of disciples. And here's the sad part, and I believe this is really what God's trying to get me to push home here this morning. There are many people that are claiming that they're Christians that don't even realize they're on their way to hell. They're on the wide road that leads to destruction. They think they're on the narrow path, but they're not. Well, how do we know? How do we know? Well, let's talk about the word false disciple for a minute. Here, and the commentary gave a good definition of a false disciple. Here's what it said. An individual who has confessed Jesus as Lord, but whom Jesus knows has not truly repented as a condition for entering the kingdom of heaven. So they acknowledge him with their lips. They say, Jesus, your Lord, and it sounds good. But really, they never repented of their sins because repentance is key for salvation. 
It takes repentance. And we talk about this over and over at the end of every Sunday's message. Repentance is simply an old military term that means about face. In other words, you make a total 180 with your life. You were going this way, which was your own way. Then you turned and decided, I want to give God a try. But unless you totally left your way behind and started following God's way, you've not repented. Once again, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but a true disciple, that spirit of repentance. Remember, I said it earlier. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. People in this day would commonly use the word Lord. Remember, he said, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, that word used there, that word there is not necessarily talking the divine Lord. In this day, people would use that word as a sign of respect for Jesus' ministry. In other words, they're acknowledging, Lord, Lord, and out of respect. Kind of like master, master, right? False disciples are able to gain power in Jesus' name. I thought this was interesting. But their activities are meaningless for their own eternal destiny. They do not come to Jesus as the true gate to the kingdom and so do not engage in these activities according to the Father's will. What did Jesus say up here in our text? He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Repentance, you totally change your life. That's how you can tell if you've ever fully actually received Christ as Savior or not. Your lifestyle. Salvation, once again, is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. But what we just said is that even false disciples can do stuff in Jesus' name. What? That's what Jesus said. Check it out. Verse 22. Many will say to me. On that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? What did he say there in verse 23, though? He said, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil Doers, These are the people that are professing it with their lips. When they call on the name of Jesus, there's power. What? What are you saying, Pastor? God can use whoever he wants to accomplish a task. He can use an unsaved person to accomplish a task if he wants. He's God. So just because they're doing stuff in the name of Jesus, if they've never truly repented themselves in their hearts, they are not on their way to heaven. They are on the wide road, which leads to destruction. Yet many are deceived and think they're on the narrow path. Jesus never emphasizes the external as being the highest sign of authenticity. What are we saying there? Jesus never said just because you got the external signs going on means you're saved. He demands, and I thought this was interesting. This is coming straight from the commentary. He demands our inward allegiance to God's will, which will produce the fruit of a changed life. How do I know if I'm really saved, Pastor? Well, does your life change? The day you received Christ... 
Did you start bearing good fruit? Were you doing those things or did you never actually repent? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Because many people are doing signs and wonders in Jesus' name because God's choosing to do so. That doesn't mean they're on their way to heaven. That means they're confessing him with their mouth. What did Jesus say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. I keep going back because y'all need to understand something. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Enter the kingdom of heaven. The key is doing the will of his father who is in heaven. It's an internal change. External things don't matter. You got to change on the inside. Your heart changes. That's how you know you've received him. God can use a person who professes the name of Jesus even if they've deceived themselves and others. They think they've got it together. Many of them he was talking to just in this Sermon on the Mount. He knew it. There were religious leaders, probably regular people who were out there thinking they were on the right track. But guess what? They weren't. The repentance wasn't there. By claiming himself as the one who has the authority to determine who enters the kingdom, Jesus once again is showing his divine authority. Remember I said we get back to that. What do you mean, Pastor? He says in verse 23, this is Jesus talking. He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Jesus there in verse 23 is once again showing us his divine authority claiming to be God. Only God can cast people out, right? Let's talk. Let's keep going. We got to keep going. We got to keep moving. I know we're going to run out of time here soon. 7 verse 24. Picking up there. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. We're going to talk more about that. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Point number four this morning. Jesus is telling us there are two foundations. So not only are there two roads, two gates, you enter the gate, you follow the road. Not only are there two types of prophets, false and true. Not only are there two types of disciples, false and true. He's also telling us there are two types of foundations that you need to put your faith, that people are putting their faith in. There's two types of foundation. And some of you, and if you're like me, I've always read this. Of course, my dad was a contractor. He built houses. Things like that didn't make sense. Why would anybody want to build their house on sand anyway to begin with? We're going to talk about what he meant by that because there would have been a common understanding in this day as to what he was teaching. We're going to talk more about it. So here there is a natural truth to what Jesus is saying. You build your house on a good foundation. It's going to stand. Another foundation that's not good, not a rock, it's going to fall. All right? There's not only a natural truth to what he's saying here, but there's also a spiritual truth. Let's talk about the natural truth for a minute. Let's talk about what the people in that day would have been interpreting when Jesus was saying this passage, which makes it make a lot more sense when you say, why would anybody build their house on sand to begin with, right? 
the, he, the people here would have been familiar with this building technique. This sermon, where he's talking, Sermon on the Mount, is taking place near the Sea of Galilee. And alluvial sand ringing, the alluvial sand ringing the seashore was hard on the surface during hot summer months. So if you're looking at the surface of this sand in the hot summer, it looks hard. And the foolish man would be like, it's hard enough. We'll just build a house right here, right? But in the wintertime, when the rains come, that sand washes away. I want to show you. Here, let's talk about it. The wise builder would not be fooled by surface conditions. What's on the surface isn't always the reality. On the surface, the wise builder would not be fooled by surface conditions. Sometimes, check this out, they would even dig down up to 10 feet. Whoa. To the bedrock for a solid foundation. So even if it meant a little bit more work, they wanted to make sure that this house was going to stand even in the rains of winter. When the winter rains came to the Jordan River, it would flood into the sea, causing the house built on sand to have unstable foundation. It will wash away. Remember we said in hot summer, the surface is hard. It looks like, oh man, if you're a foolish person, man, this, this should work. We just build it right on top. It's hard, right? But in the winter, it's going to wash away. There's no foundation there. That's why a true wise person in this day would have dug up to 10 feet down just to find the bedrock for a solid foundation so that when those winter rains come, it would not wash away. Making sense more now, huh? Click, click, click. Here it goes. Let's talk about the spiritual truth of what Jesus is saying here. The religious establishment was advocating a form of surface righteousness. Hmm. That masked the, an unstable foundation of religious hypocrisy. The religion, and this is still happening today, it's not just then, but in their day, they would have not, but many would be deceived just like they are today. Some of these religious teachings that these religious leaders are teaching on the surface looks good, but there's no foundation, there's no root in that. We're going to talk about it. Eventually, its instability would be revealed as not having the answers to the deepest needs of the people. Eventually, the truth's going to come out. God has been exposing so much in this year, 2020, much of the corruption that is in this world that it's not even funny. You just got to be willing to do research and find out that a lot of these things that many people have built their foundations on aren't as solid as they thought. It's washing away. The wise person shows that he or she has carefully, check this out, has carefully viewed the shifting sands of life's teachings. Remember, we're talking the spiritual side now. The spiritual shifting sands of life's teachings and understands that Jesus is the only secure truth in life. Let me go ahead and reread that because I paused in the middle. It says the wise person shows that he or she has carefully viewed the shifting sands of life's teachings and understands that Jesus is the only secure truth in life. 
So the concluding thought there is that wise men and women build their lives on Jesus. Regardless of the cultural mm, or religious weather. No matter what the world's telling you, if your solid foundation is not Jesus Christ, you're going to wash away. You need to understand that. That's what Jesus is telling us here. Yes, it's a bold statement. He's claiming it. That's what the people like about him. Let's go ahead and wrap up with our last two verses and we're going to be ready to close this morning. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Here's what it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That's an amazing statement. Check this out. Here's what's going on here. Break it down. I know it's two verses, but we're going to break it down a little bit. Amazement here. First of all, let's talk about that. It says there in verse 28 that when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So that word there for amazed or amazement does not necessarily mean that they have put their faith in Jesus. The word used here indicates a variety of emotional responses. Emotional responses will get you in trouble. Because emotionally, maybe you came down to the altar one Sunday. I don't even know if people come down anymore. They should come down to the altar one Sunday. You said a prayer with your lips, but nothing changed when you left the doors. Emotions were ringing high. But did you notice the next day, you just started living like you want again. That's emotion. That's not going to do anything. That's not a solid foundation. So here, when the people are amazed, it doesn't necessarily mean that they put their faith in Jesus. It basically says that these ranges of emotions are happening to them. So they're just amazed at what's going on. The next thing he talks about there in verse 29, because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. It's talking about the religious leaders here. The religious leaders of this day added so many traditions and legal requirements that the power of Scripture was defeated. They could not speak with authority because they had muted the only source of authority. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, you go back to this day and from the Old Testament law, which is what they had at that time. They had the Old Testament or the Septuagint, and that's what they would read and declare to the people. They had that law. They had that. And what they did was over the years, religious leaders would add their thoughts. They would add these things to think that it were making it better. But basically what they were doing is watering down. The true foundation. They were getting so caught up in legality, legal issues, tradition, religious nonsense. They added things to the text that basically they were giving people standards they expected them to live by. But they weren't even living in those standards themselves, so they watered down that source of authority, which was the Scripture, capital S, the Scriptures, the Word of God. They could not speak with authority because they had muted the only source of authority. Everyone was listening so much to their things they had added, they weren't listening to the words of God from the Old Testament. Does that sound familiar at all? We see that happening today. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. We're out of time. Question, final question I want to ask you this morning as we wrap up. Are you with Jesus 
or against him. It's black and white. Jesus says, you're either with me or you're against me. And I know this world likes to teach. There's all these gray areas, right? No, you're either with Jesus, you're teaching he is salvation or in the way to salvation, or you're not. Black and white. Jesus has made abundantly clear here in the text. The only way to get to heaven is through him. If you're tuning to me online this morning, I know we got to get out of here. I know I went a little longer than normal. If you're tuning with me online this morning, I just want to ask you, do you really know Jesus? Are you really on Jesus' side? Or is it just a bunch of emotional stuff you've had over the years? The questions you need to ask yourself, did I profess him with my mouth? But has my, maybe you have professed him with my mouth, but has my heart changed? Repentance is the key. You've got to change your lifestyle. It cannot be the same that it was yesterday. You're walking away from your lifestyle. Remember, repentance, 180. Walking away from my way, going God's way. If you've never done that this morning, you would like to sincerely do that. Maybe you've never heard it taught like this. It's simple. You just ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. In your name I pray, amen. And the good news is it doesn't even take all those words. You basically believe Jesus came, died, and rose again. You repent from your ways and start following his ways. Just do it with your mouth. Do it with your heart. Change who you are so that you know you're on God's path. So that you know and you can start bearing good fruit. I want to ask you to do one more thing. If you just prayed that prayer and you received Christ, go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. In the upper left corner, click on the menu button. All the way to the right side of the drop box, there's a link that says The Road to New Life. Click on that, and it will take you to a separate website that I created in college. If you follow each page in order, it will walk you through God's plan of salvation and why it was necessary. The Roman's robe is there. The different things you're going to need to start your journey is there. You get to the very bottom, there's a contact form and a prayer similar to the one I just prayed in case you don't know what to say, you don't know the words to say, maybe you hadn't done it yet. Go ahead and send me a contact. I would love to know that you received Christ as your Savior this morning. Whether you're tuning on the podcast, whether you're tuning on YouTube, our website, Facebook, wherever you're looking at us at. Go ahead and send me that contact form. I would love to hear from you and celebrate with you. Your next step is that you need to find you a good church home that can disciple you. And you need to be baptized, following in Jesus' footsteps. That's it. If you're tuning online next week, we'll see you. Right now, I'm planning to continue the Jacob uh, from Jacob to Israel series. We'll just see where God goes. Make sure you check out the podcast Wednesday mornings at 6. We do the Bible study going through Mark. Make sure you check out this Thursday morning. Once a month, we do an interview. This Thursday, if you enjoyed Eddie Street's ministry last week, you're going to enjoy the second half of his testimony, which will be on our podcast this Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Thank you so much for tuning online. God bless, and I'll see you next week.